authentic life. Woo! And don't we feel authentic in Houston, Texas? <laughs> After what they say, um, I love that thing. They I saw um, a post that I even put on my stories. It said um, 2020 was the year from hell and 2021 was the year that hell froze over. Yes, I saw that too. <laughs> so true. <laughs> but we're going to still choose gratitude yes. today. We are with Rosalind Weaver and she is a new friend but an old soul. This <laughs> woman is amazing and her journey of courage, total fashion girl, background in fashion in college, wanted to go into fashion design, this incredible journey, but that's not even what makes her so exceptional. What I love <laughs> about her is her tenacity to overcome challenges and her beautiful family and how they came together. But first I wanna give a shout out to Adam Andrus, the hottest, cutest <laughs> sound engineer with the most fabulous hair. We always have hair envy with Adam in the house. Um, so tell us about your life. Like California girl. Yes. Does your husband sing you that song? Yes, all the time. <laughs> that is so funny. <laughs> but now you're kind of an adopted Texan. I think so, right? I've been here for 12 years, so I feel like I, I'm saying y'all now. You, know? you are. <laughs> yes. I love that. But your family's still there. You guys all just of my went family. back to California. Mm -hmm. My parents, my brother, my all of their family. Everyone's there. Yeah. And um, do you see a big difference in fashion between... California and Texas? Um, I probably say yes, only because where I'm from is more. Oh, oh. I forgot to uh, <laughs> turn my phone off. That's the school because we're both moms <laughs> and you're continually a mom. Yes. <laughs> I like your ringtone though. Yes, Sex in the City. That shows you how old I am. <laughs> so excited that's coming out again. Okay, so fashion from how do you feel the difference is? So I feel like California fashion is a little bit more laid back. Mm -hmm. um, in Houston, specifically in Texas, I feel like we, we dress up a little bit more. Um, but also I feel like different parts of California and Texas are the same way, right? I feel like mm -hmm. if you travel to a different city in Texas, maybe they're a little bit more laid back. Mm -hmm. I feel like where I grew up is more like Austin style. Oh, mm -hmm. yeah. And I love your vibe today, your floral dress with your tennis shoes, mm -hmm. <laughs> your golden goose tennis yes. shoes. Very luxury. Um, this um, amazing, beautiful woman has 112,000 followers. And what she, um, her name is pronounced Rose Lynn, which I love that you write that here. <laughs> and she's a mama through ado adoption, a wife, and a Filipina. Filipina. Mm -hmm. So tell us about your heritage. How does that, are you super close with your family? Yes, definitely. So um, both of my parents were born and raised in the Philippines. Okay. Um, we actually moved um, into the U.S. because my dad was in the Navy. So my parents got married in the Philippines. They moved around, had my brothers, had me. I was born in Guam. And then when I was three years old, we moved to California. And then my dad was stationed there, and I just grew up there. So do you speak the language? I don't, unfortunately. I say some words, and when my parents speak it to me, I understand it, mm -hmm. but that's about it, unfortunately. I know. It's hard to... We, I'm, I'm Italian by heritage. My grandparents spoke Italian to me, but when they both passed, it wasn't something that I remembered. But I think it's... There's, I've been doing so much research about family and connection and cultures, and 
I feel like the Filipino family is also very connected. Yes, very. We used to go to the Philippines every two years growing up, so I you know, know all of my family in the Philippines. We're very tight. And you're generationally all connected. Mm-hmm. Whereas so many Americans, I feel like, aren't in touch with their cousins. Like, I texted with my cousin this morning, and when I travel, I'm seeing cousins. I mean, and it's just a part of that. So family was important to you. You and your husband wanted to start your own family. Tell us a little bit about that journey. Yes, so my husband and I um, met when I first moved to Houston, and we were friends for years before we were dating or anything. Um, And one of the things that I learned about him early on was that he wanted to adopt. And I just really love that about him. You know, you don't meet everyone every day that's just, you know, oh, yeah, eventually I want to adopt. Um, so I thought that was really cool, and I think that's how we clicked. But, again, we were still friends for a very long time and didn't date or anything. Um, then we got married, decided we were going to have a baby, and then we would try the adoption route. Um, and then we really struggled um, trying to conceive. And... Honestly, I feel like every time I tell that story, someone's like feels bad. Um, but I mean, I I don't remember being sad. You know, our Beautiful. our our path was always to adopt. So it was like, okay, well then we'll just continue on with the adoption process. Um, so we did that, and then we said that we wanted a newborn to a five year old, right before school age boy or girl. We didn't care, and I remember getting the call November sixth. 2017. I was at work. It was after Harvey. So it was the first Monday at the office, like back at work. We got a phone call from the adoption agency. They said, we have a seven month boy and um, he's, it's emergency placement. So basically he had been living in a, like a baby orphanage since he was three months old. Um, they were giving the bio mom chances to get her life together, and unfortunately, she hadn't been checking in, so they put him into the system for adoption, and then they called our agency. Our agency called us. My husband called me, and he said, our agency wants to know if we want this little boy, and I'm like, yes. He's like, good, because I already said yes. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> so, I love that. Yeah, so it was, you know, it was like 12 o'clock on a Monday, and I, like, ran around the office telling everyone, and my manager at that time was like, "What? go, go home. What are you doing? here so my husband and I uh, met at the house we ran to bye bye baby because we had nothing right we said a boy or girl from newborn to five we had no idea what we needed so we got all the things we thought we needed and then like 6 p.m. that evening they brought Landon home to us and that was that it was so crazy she I mean the caseworker was probably at our house for about 10 minutes we signed papers and then I was just holding him (laughs) Like, that's how it happens. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And did you feel an instant connection? Definitely. Instant connection because I feel like we were waiting for him this whole time, right? It's almost like when you're pregnant and you're just waiting to meet this baby, you know that's your baby. So um, because he was an emergency placement, the risk that you take there is that the bio parents still have a chance to get their act together and do the classes that they need and, you know, whatever their path is that is required. Um, And if they do all those things, they have the chance to get their baby back. Um, So that was hard, you know, knowing that could happen. And with 
CPS cases, their goal is reunification with blood relatives. So while we had him, they're looking for blood relatives. Wow. Um, so that's hard, you know, but in the back of your mind, you're thinking, this is my baby. It's all going to work out. And worst case scenario is that we're loving on him until his path, you know, whatever happens. Um, so the birth parents didn't do any of their classes, but a grandmother had came into the picture and tried to um, basically get custody of him. So that was a little bit scary. That was a hard time. And how many months was that? Um, that was maybe six months in. So at that point, wow. she was a stranger. That was my baby. And it was hard. Um, I can't imagine that. Yeah. Because um, I, I, I tell my daughter I, that I loved her before she was born. Mm -hmm. And I believe that that isn't just because of blood. I believe it's because of that connection for me, it's, I believe God puts that in our hearts, that we just love this child so much. So, um, and the other interesting thing that you and I talked about is um, foster care is that when you want to adopt a baby, it does sometimes take a long time to get a baby. Mm -hmm. But as a foster parent, you're given children and they can go through your house and move in and out quite frequently. Why don't you share a little bit about that experience with the foster family? Yes, definitely. Um, so we actually, so we were placed with Landon November um, of 2017. And because they were giving the biological parents, you know, a few chances, we uh -huh. actually did not finalize until September of 2019. So that took much longer than we anticipated. Um, so that was kind of hard, but again, he was with us the whole time. And I just felt like, you know, even though that was in the back of our mind, like something could happen, I felt like nothing was going to happen. He was ours the whole time. We were, he was in, in a foster home and we were waiting for him. He was our son. So finalization was just a piece of paper. Um, so in 2019, we finalized and then we wanted to enjoy not having to do training classes, not having to do CPS visits, right? So we traveled a little bit with him and my husband and I were talking about, you know, he, we want him to have a sibling, um, but we didn't know how quickly we wanted to jump on the certification process again. You know, that's a lot, a lot of classes, a lot of training, many visits monthly. We, and um, we weren't just ready for that yet. So two months later, after finalization, we get a phone call from Oregon CPS telling us that Landon actually has a sister, and were we willing to, you know, bring her home too? And of course we said yes. So we said yes. That was December. A week later, they call us back and tell us the biological mom was actually pregnant with a third baby who is a boy, and of course we said yes in excitement and in panic we were preparing for it we went to Oregon in February to meet sister because we thought we were going to be able to bring her home in March so we want to get familiar with her and meet the foster family um, and then we came home at the end of February and then COVID you know every, the COVID everything shut down everything got delayed and we were not able to bring her home until this past November so 
again, back to the foster family, thankfully she was in a, a wonderful, loving home. We, I talked to the foster mom via text um, almost every day with pictures. We did FaceTime and it was just a really smooth transition. So in November, finally, when we got the green light, they flew down here and they stayed here for a week. And so we hung out every day with the foster family and sister so that we can all get familiar. She knew that we were family. And then they flew out the end of November and it's just been us four, six if you count our dogs, but <laughs> since then. And the bond was instant. Um, with with Landon and sister for sure like they just know their siblings and they look so much alike (laughs) yes everywhere we go everyone asks if they're twins it's so funny um but in March so in March we expected to be able to bring home baby brother as well but the bio parents fled Oregon came back to Texas and basically, since we finalized our adoption with Landon, they don't have an open case as, I guess, unfit parents. So they still have him right now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And how old is he? He was born in March. Wow. Yeah. So um, we are keeping our certifications and everything open. We tell our agency that if, you know, it happens, we for sure will take him in. So we're just kind of prepared um, and just, you know, praying for him. So when I met you, I felt like you had this incredible aura of joy. And when you hear your story, people need to realize that you have that because you chose that. Mm-hmm, definitely. Not because your path was easy, mm-hmm. not because everything just came to you naturally, but because you chose it. And I think that when you said, you chose to enjoy Landon and not worry is such a meaningful statement because I know I was sharing with you a little bit about my journey Mm -hmm. and it's so hard to let go of worry for our children like I put myself in your place that you just trusted and believed because what is worrying going to do right exactly and I, I believe that kids pick up, and I know husbands do, on our senses. Mm-hmm. If we're anxious and worried, they also feel that. Mm-hmm. So I, I compliment you, and I want people who are listening who feel like they're in hard places is to realize that we do have power over our journey. Not over the circumstances, but on how we respond to so many things. Definitely. And what are some of the things that you do? Is it your faith? Is it, do you meditate? Are there, what are, it's or was definitely, it your upbringing? Was it the way your parents taught you? It's, I think it's a mix of my faith and my upbringing. Um, my parents are always so positive and um, we, I grew up Catholic. I'm actually, we go to Christian church now, mm-hmm. but I grew up Catholic and my parents' faith was so strong, you know, where they came from. My dad um, it's so funny. I got him this little book of like a life about me. Cause my dad is, he, he's so sweet, but he doesn't say a lot. Right. I feel like a lot of men are like that. More stoic. And yes, detached. exactly. Yes. And he's been through so much being in the Navy. So, so much. He actually, I got him this book and basically you have to answer questions, right? Like, what did you do growing up? Um, what was your first job? Things like that. And Aww. hearing about that, I know my, my, 
dad actually grew up very poor in the Philippines, and my mom was the opposite. So my dad actually, you know, helped my grandpa in the rice fields with his brother. Um, my dad went to the military, and they still continue to send money back to the Philippines to the family to help take care of them. And I just feel like, I don't know, we just have to make the most of what we have, right? Mm-hmm. My parents always, always did everything that they could to make the best out of any situation. And I just feel like that's just, that's just how I was raised and that's just how I am. And the faith, faith is like the biggest thing, right? Mm-hmm. There is always a reason you're going through a season. And even if you don't know why, you have to trust that there's a reason and the outcome will just all be worth it. Um, I don't know. I just feel like that's my personality maybe. <laughs> no, it is. And it's just, it's very, um, I can feel your energy. We were laughing before. I was saying I didn't even know I did a dance. <laughs> Whenever yeah. I do my videos and you're like, maybe I sashay. <laughs> we're going to, I think uh, Adam does some kind of yoga move because he's oh, a yoga yeah. cool dude. <laughs> But um, I, I feel like that when we, like all these hard things and our kids, think of how much of our kids have been through already, mm-hmm. let alone what your kids additionally have been through. So um, uh, uh, pandemic, uh, freezing over, the, the political climate we're in, there's so much divisiveness. So are you raising your kids? Do they know that they're adopted? Do they, like, when do you talk about that with children? How? What was your path that you found was right for your family? So Landon is going to be four next month. So I and and sister just turned two. Mm-hmm. So I feel like they're very young. Uh-huh. Um, Landon, we were placed with when he was seven months old, and because he was in a baby orphanage, which I, you know, I, I feel like that sounds sad, but you have to remember again, he was actually being loved on for that whole time by mm-hmm. volunteers who actually volunteered their time there. Um, so I feel like. Um, him and sister's path is a little bit different. So sister and the bio parents were together for 10 months and lived basically out of their vehicle. Um, and then we didn't get her into our home until right before she turned two. So I feel like her, like thinking of where she is right now, you know, it's a little bit different. They mm-hmm. they were so they're so different in age and how much they've developed. And girls and boys too relate yeah. to things so differently. Exactly. Um, so my, you know, in a perfect scenario, now we will just start saying the word adoption and mm-hmm. um, we speak about it, but they're mm-hmm. so little, and just say, yeah, you're adopted, or we read a lot of books about different types of families. Yes, good. And I just want it to be a natural conversation. I don't want it to be a serious. We have to sit down. We have to tell you something. Right. That's like a bad news then it thing. Makes it, exactly. Yeah. This is part of the journey, and you celebrate the journey that mm-hmm. gets you to where you want to be. Tell us, would you ever be a, a foster parent? Or do, how do you feel about That's the so difference hard. in that? It's so hard. And people always say that we're, you know, special people for adopting. But uh-huh. that's so it's so different. You I know, I, we went into it because I wanted, you know, we wanted a family, a forever uh-huh. family. These foster parents are just so amazing for putting their time and efforts into these children. And some of these children are in their home for like three years and then they have to give them to someone else. 
I could, I don't think I could ever, I'm not strong enough for that. People think I'm strong. I'm not strong enough for that. <laughs> but I also, I mean, there's so much, and um, my husband jokes with me. He's like, oh, one of Janae's sayings is God would never give us more than we can bear. But kind of knowing what your boundaries are and then embracing that. Can you, now that it is COVID, mm -hmm. I mean, I think that added so much more to the adoption process to foster care. I know right now, um, my um, girlfriend, Amy Pierce, who's been on the podcast quite often, she works with the Search Homeless Shelter, and I love working with them at the House of Tiny Treasures. And before COVID, we were able to go there, and we went for rodeo, and we met with these kids. And so many of these kids' parents are living in their cars, mm -hmm. and they are coming to school, preschool, and it's their only chance to be at a place that's gives them they have a consistent meal different things like that but it's harder during covid to give are there ways that you could recommend that people reach out do you know of ways that people could get involved with foster care or adoption how did you even choose to go about that path so we actually had um, some close friends that used the agency that we used okay so we went for orientation and learned everything you know the, the steps and certifications that you would need and then we decided to use them just because they were so knowledgeable and very transparent in everything mm -hmm. that they shared um, so we used arms wide adoption okay and they're a great resource to reach out to because like you said there would be events almost every month where you can interact with the foster kids and you know love on them donate things but with COVID it's so different right now yes. so um arms wide would be a good resource to okay. see how how you can help oh great to know yeah and then um so let's talk a little bit about how your blog evolved mm -hmm. so you let's talk about your fashion career because mm -hmm. we are about <laughs> fashion and authenticity <laughs> So, um, and I, I, I'm feeling this, and maybe because this is where our brand has evolved, but I'm seeing so many influencers. It's not about you showing a new outfit of the day. You're sharing your journey with people. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's sort of the new wave of what people are searching for through their online presence. Tell us about how you started it, a little bit about your career in fashion and how it kind of evolved. Um, so, like we mentioned, I, we were talking about it before, but I went to school for fashion merchandising. Mm -hmm. um, I always knew I wanted to be in fashion. I actually wanted to be a buyer. And um, so I went to school in Long Beach. And right after I graduated, I nailed a really great job with a company called Intuition. And it was like a very like celebrity clientele boutique. And I was hired as an assistant buyer. And um, it was just amazing, right? Right out of college, I got a buying yes. job. So th from Unheard there, of. Uh, yeah, exactly. I got very, very lucky. Um, so from there, I just kind of um, worked my way up, and then I worked, you know, for a couple different companies. And you know, I mentioned to you, I ended up in Houston because I was engaged before, and I worked for Academy Sports and Outdoors corporate office as a, um, an assistant buyer. So I worked there for a few years, went to stage stores, was an associate buyer there. And as you know, being in that field, you work very long hours. You travel a lot. Which and is, don't you show up at like 4 a.m. Oh, or something? Yes. Like, and do you ever leave? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and then you bring your laptop home and you're working some more, which I feel like owning your own business is the it's same way. It's pretty much the same thing. But, you know, you kind of have your flexibility of yes. 
of how you want to respond to things and all that. But um, that was all so exciting when you're single <laughs> and, you know, younger. But when Have you more get, energy <laughs> exactly. to get up at four. Exactly. And then I got married and we wanted to start a family. And my husband traveled and worked a lot, too. So it was like, okay, something has to give. Um, so I decided to just start, you know, putting a feeler out for another company. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't exactly know where I was going to end up, right? Maybe marketing. I had no idea. And then I had a recruiter reach out to me saying that they had another buying job in supply chain. It wasn't in retail. Um, and they basically blind interview over the phone, but it sounded amazing. It was marketing material, working with um, a very well-known vendor, and then the company was a you know multi-million dollar company, and they asked if I was interested to interview with them because I was still working. And I said, you know, I mean, it's worth a shot. You know, they sound interesting. So finally, they give me a call back and say, okay, they want to meet with you, but I can't send you their company information until the morning of your interview. Like, very discreet, <laughs> which was, you know, weird, but also intriguing. Intriguing. You're like, who are these people? So the morning of the interview, um, they send me the link to their website, and it's actually um, Service Corporation International, which is a um, a, the biggest company, actually, in North America for funeral and um, cremation services, right? They own funeral homes. They care, they, all, all of that. So that kind of had me thinking, you know, maybe this is not the right (laughs) path for me but also all of the you know supply chain so truly taking that out of the picture it's all of the same processes absolutely so I decided to go meet with them um and then I was supposed to interview with one person that day but we hit it off so well that I interviewed with I think four people that morning oh wow and then they offered me the job that week and so I started with the company and actually ended up being the best company I've ever worked for oh wow yes it was amazing the people are amazing and I mean it's such a weird transition but you have to think those people that work in the field and in that you know the corporate office are very compassionate people you have to think about who we're servicing and my best friend from college Kathleen Evans in Rockwell Texas she works with a funeral home planning events there so she was like okay i know this is crazy but this is my job (laughs) and kathleen can put a smile on anyone's face and if you've gone through a death in your family and we've all probably sadly experienced Mm -hmm. that but it is such a time for compassion and you can really feel that you're making a difference in someone's life And um, I've shared on prior podcasts, I learned about this term called ikigai. And ikigai is when you're able to pick a occupation that you're passionate about, that you feel like has a purpose in life, that you can help people, yet you can make money doing it, and you can enjoy the journey. You live in a life of flow. So even though you're working a lot, all of that purpose and together with giving back and knowing you're making a difference is fulfilling. Mm-hmm. So it, at first look, yes, you're like, you, the <laughs> right. fashion girl, we're happy working with this company. But because it was so inclusive and it was changing people's lives mm-hmm. and giving them 
so much in a time that they needed direction, I think it would be really fulfilling. So yes, I think I applaud was. you for that. And I see why they they saw that in you. Thank you. I it was it was an amazing company. And a lot of people actually from the retail world ended up there um, because it was supply chain, a very successful yes. company, and a lot of them for the same reasons, for the work-life balance. Um, so, yeah, work it was... Work-life balance. Oh, that's a term that's I hard know, to know exactly. as an entrepreneur. <laughs> what is that? Yeah. Now, as I texted you last night at whatever, 1030, hey, <laughs> I'm checking in. <laughs> um, so, another part of your journey you shared a little bit about that I also think is so meaningful is your um your divorced I'm divorced mm-hmm. my first marriage was a really difficult path for me it's not something I talk about a lot but I did not have children with him so I'm still not I'm not connected with him in life but I learned so much from that experience and Rob also says all the time well I'm her favorite husband I'm like yeah you can't get that title easy buddy <laughs> But will you share with us a little bit about that experience? Yeah, definitely. So, um, well, we were actually engaged before, so we never oh, you we, never yeah, got married. We never got married, which is helpful, especially being Catholic, because yes. I went, was Catholic married, and oh, that yeah. adds a whole other dimension to. Mm-hmm, but bet. go ahead. Um, so I met him in California, mm-hmm. and he was from Houston. So two years into dating, he got out of the military, and he mm-hmm. wanted to come back here. Um, so I decided, you know, okay, that's exciting. Let's somewhere new. Let's move there together. My family was devastated, not happy about it, you know, especially yes. being as close as we are. And also, moms know everything, right? My mom uh, she liked felt him it. because she likes everyone, but she was like, I don't think you guys are a perfect match, is her exact words. I'm like, well, you know, maybe you're just, you know, you want me with someone else, and, you know, you ignore those types of things. So we moved here, and um, we were young when we first met, and we moved here together. It was like a celebration. I feel like, you know, we're in our new place together, new life together. We got engaged the first month we moved here. So, again, it was like a lot of celebrating. Well, when I feel like we should have taken a turn into, like, planning our life together, planning the wedding. Um, He was still, like, wanting to, like, go out all the time. And um, it just – I feel like I ignored a lot of the signs because Mm -hmm. we were so young and, you know, I mean, I don't know. So it ended up being he would go out drinking all the time. Um, A year after living together, he – there was – days at a time where he wouldn't come home like I had no idea where he was and I never shared that with anyone I would go to work you know the next morning with my engagement ring on like you know and everyone's like when's the wedding day I'm like I don't know we haven't decided yet like everything's perfect um finally after you know several months maybe even a year I finally shared with my family what had been going on one of my brothers like immediately texts me and he was like here's your ticket your one-way ticket you know, pack your bags. So I actually put in my two weeks. Yeah, I left and then maybe was in California for like three months. And then my ex kept contacting me like, and I just felt so bad for him. Mm-hmm. I, he, he felt so lost at the time. And I felt like I, if, if I didn't help him, him yeah, yes. I didn't it was help your responsibility. him go through 
this, you know, whatever he was going through, he was, I mean, he ended up being, you know, an alcoholic, but I didn't know at the time. I, I'd, I'd never experienced going through anything like that. But I felt like he needed me. And so I ended up coming back. And thankfully, my job actually took me back. And um, maybe two weeks after being here, again, he left one night, two nights in a row, didn't hear from him. I packed up all my stuff again. I just moved in with a friend here. I was like, I'm not doing this again. I love my job, but I'm done. I'm done with him. So it was just like that. And then I just continued working on and, you know, moved a couple companies and then met my, I knew Brandon at the time, my husband. So we were friends and he saw me go through it, um, which is kind of, you know, I feel like that makes us even more connected because we were so, we were just friends at the time and he knew my story and we didn't date until, I don't know, maybe a year or two after the breakup. So there's so many things that I see in you that are in people who live an authentic, purposeful life. You are so clear on your journey and what you want in your life without placing judgment. So what I was hearing from you is that you weren't judging your ex. You were mm -hmm. just saying his behavior, you were discerning that his behavior wasn't acceptable for right. you. Mm -hmm. And that is so strong for a young woman because so many women when we're young, I mean, I was 30 and I said, the next man I, mar the next man I date, I'm marrying. <laughs> and he asked and I said, yes, and we got <laughs> married. And it was not of God and it was not right for me, but I didn't want to see it because I had these expectations I put on myself. Mm -hmm. So I really applaud you for hearing it and for knowing it and for doing something about it. Because I think so many people second guess themselves and feel like they can't, they have to fix people around them mm -hmm. when you chose yourself. Yeah, thank you. Well, going through it is tough, right? I mean, I did leave and I came back, but there's a point where you really have to sit down, like even if you have to write it down and what are you do, like what do you want for yourself? And what in your life at that moment is keeping you from, you know, whatever you wrote down on that paper? It was him at the time. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I just feel like, you know, you you can make the like best of whatever situation. Well, um, I have had the honor of meeting Dr. Shafali, and she just launched a new book, um, Enlightened Awakening. And she, I've not watched the entire video, but she was met with Oprah, and they had a conversation about it. And something she said was really compelling to me, because we all have these ideas of what our life is gonna be. And we create these mood boards and these images of what we want our life to be. And she said, what if every day we just chose what our life was going to be that day? Mm -hmm. And we chose joy and we chose gratitude and we chose to live our life that day as we wanted it. And not say if I was skinnier or if I had that job or if I was with the right person. But that day say, is the person I'm with treating me the way I should be treated? Is this healthy? Is this where I should be? Does this match my purpose? And not borrow trouble for the future and not put all that pressure on ourselves. And there, it's also biblical too. I mm -hmm. mean, God says not to worry, which is so hard for me as type A. I wanna plan it all out and <laughs> fix it all. But I see you living that journey. And then I also see you as so committed to 
what you do. And I find that to be so refreshing, too. The fact that you could leave and come back to a job shows that when you're with it, you're with it. Mm -hmm. When you're in it, you're in it. Mm -hmm. Where do you think that comes from? I would just say, again, from just my upbringing, definitely. Um, My... You know, I I just mentioned, like, how we even got to California, how my dad decided, you know, from his upbringing, from, you know, not living, you know, a very, like, they're poor, like I said. Everyone had to work at a young age, 10 years old. And he decided, I'm going to go join the Navy, take care of my family back home, right? So him and my mom had kids. They moved. My mom took care of us. You know, she didn't have a job, um at all like for the first maybe five years so finally I think her first job she was telling us the other day was at like a pizza pizza parlor on the navy base that we lived on oh my god I did that in college I worked at mama's pizza can y'all see me with pizza rolls that was me so she you know she just worked because she wanted to get out and she wanted to meet people and then when I went off to college she actually went to college she got her degree. She became a medical coder, um, and then she wow. just retired. Twenty-five years working in um, as a civilian in a you know on a Navy base, Navy hospital. Um, so just seeing you know you you can make whatever life that you want. It's not going to be easy. Um, I think that's where people stop and they feel overwhelmed and they feel like it's not going to happen because they. They don't see everyone's struggles. They just see everyone's end result. You know, it's like the Instagram highlight, right? It's like you see everyone's Instagram highlight or life highlight, and that's not – they worked very hard to get there, or they had to go through a lot to get there. So just remember, you're not the only one struggling to, you know, make your dreams come true. It's it's just, it's a, it's a journey for sure. <laughs> and you shared your journey of adoption with your – followers. Yes, I shared the journey. Um, I didn't actually plan. Um, obviously, I started this as a fashion blog. Um, oh, so going back to how it started. Mm-hmm. So when I was at SEI, you know, obviously, I love the company. I love the people, but I wanted to talk fashion every day. Yes. Still. So that's how the blog, you know, was born. And then I wanted to talk fashion all the time. I did that. It just slowly grew. And then, you know, it just naturally, I started talking about the adoption process because we were going through it. And then I saw so much interest in it and now we talk about our family and just everything (laughs) well you made the right choice to take you were celebrating your anniversary and you guys scooted out of town last week so that was a good decision so tell me what do you have on the horizon so right now we're just trying to we're hoping that we can finalize with sister in the next by the end of may that will be six months so um the biological parents rights were terminated a few weeks ago but legally she has to be in our home for six months before we can finalize the adoption um so we're just kind of praying that all goes smoothly Mm -hmm. and then um we bought a new home um last july so we're just trying to get that all (laughs) settled and taken care of then trying to have family like come visit us and stuff since last year was you know a wash as far as travel goes (laughs) completely crazy well we had so much fun on our photo shoot with you with the jet that was amazing and i love that you collaborate with so many girlfriends you seem to have a great group of friends and that's Mm -hmm. another part of 
living authentically, I think, is the tribe of friends that we pick. Definitely. Will you share about your friends? Yes. So I feel very fortunate. Um, I, you know, everyone always asks if I feel like I would have grown the same if I was still in California. Mm -hmm. And I, I mean, I, I mean, I can't say yes or no because I grew up there. I do have a very strong group mm-hmm. of friends there. But I hear that the blogging community is different in different cities. In mm-hmm. Houston, it is amazing. Like, if you want to grow as a blogger, Houston is the place to be because everyone is so sweet, so helpful. And every day I learn of, like, a new group of bloggers that, you know, has immersed from Houston. And it's just there's room for everyone. Um, the girls I'm closest to are ones that we started blogging around the same time. Um, we went to blogging conferences together and – I have a lot of people who want to start blogging and they wonder, how do you meet these friends, like blogging friends? Well, it's almost like a blind date, right? You have to just reach out to them and ask them if they want to grab coffee. Before, we used to have a lot of events in Houston, um, so that was a great opportunity. But now, you know, if they feel comfortable, like really just reaching out to them and meeting up with them for coffee that's literally how I've met some some of my best friends I mean Kelly and Margaret who are on the shoot I adore them I love them um we celebrate all life's wins together and you know cry about all the lows (laughs) but they're just a great group of women um and it's amazing that we all have so much in common as far as the blog and you know raising families and I I think that's so interesting because I see um, so much ebb and flow with life. And I was mentioning, I'm always talking about Bella and she gets annoyed. But in middle school, um, your friend group and what's happening is so intense and so much more added to it because of social media. And I've shared with her that as you grow up, there's ebb and flow with friends. And Mm -hmm. I found that... um, I certainly love my old friends because I've known them the most, but I've been through a lot of challenges and changes in my life with COVID, and now I'm connected to this amazing group of women through my Bible study, and they're women that I knew through Houston but never had gone to lunch with, and someone asked me to join this group, and it has been the most abundance that I've ever received from a group of friends. It is incredible. And I I think that if you follow your passions, you were you wanted to have an out you were working at a business you love, mm-hmm. but you were following your passion. If we really figure out who we are, what makes us tick and we do that and we do it with abundance and we do it with love and we're open Things come to us. And I think it's so much about the openness Mm -hmm. and the people that come on the podcast that I I consider you successful, but not because you have 113,000 followers, Mm -hmm. but I consider you successful because you have joy and you have balance in your life and you're living authentically and you make the best of so many situations. And I find that to be consistent is that. It's about choosing that. Mm -hmm, Definitely. So do you have any parting words on living the authentic life? How would you summarize it? (laughs) I would just, um, just be yourself. Um, the, I know there's so many negative things about social media, but the great thing about social media and influencers is that you have the ability to see how everyone is so different. And 
people like you because you're different. Mm -hmm. So we shouldn't, you know, don't, don't feel like you have to be like anyone else or promote anything that anyone else is doing just because they're doing it or because they're successful at it. People are liking them, promoting it because it seems authentic to them. Um, and growing right now on social media is so hard mm. and people are just getting so caught up in the numbers and it's, it's not about that. It's, it's really connecting with the audience that you have. Um, and you could do that by just being yourself. Like, I know that s sounds so generic, but truly I feel like social media makes you feel like you have to be a certain way to be successful. And that's so not true. It's be yourself, people like you for you. And, um, brands will also like you for that reason, right? Because the way you speak or your personality. Mm -hmm. um, so, I don't know, that's just, <laughs> just be yourself. <laughs> I do love that. I mean, uh, Danette, like I said, Danette was out sick this week. Thank God she's feeling better and Good. she's working remotely today. But um, I had to postpone a giveaway with Taylor um, and, um, do some different things to move around and one day i didn't even know what i was posting and rob said what are we going to do for the video i'm like i have no idea and we turned it on and he dropped an f-bomb and i had to turn it back <laughs> off and start again you know rob that well but you can imagine that and then i was like okay today's theme is imperfection today i have a bad hair day although today i did get my hair blown out and i have it to say amazing. ladies <laughs> if you're having a bad day the best thing you could do is put your makeup on have your hair fixed, and throw on a cute outfit. Yes, definitely. And there is something about how that changes the way you feel, the way you walk. And sometimes if you just fake it long enough, it becomes true. Yes, exactly. You'll, make, you'll fake yourself into feeling that you feel pretty good that day. Exactly. <laughs> but that day I was like, okay, today we're talking about imperfection. Mm -hmm. I'm having a bad hair day. It's a ponytail day. My outfit, I came in, and there's no AC, so now I'm, like, all disheveled. <laughs> but I want you to know that's okay. Mm -hmm. And I want you to know, even though I sh show up here looking good, some days I just can't mm -hmm. even try. And people will even respond to that. So yeah, definitely. Or even when you show up looking good, you don't. Sometimes you don't feel good, but you have to show up. You have to mm -hmm. show up. And so I completely agree with just being authentic who you are, whatever that is. And um, thank you for being here today. Thank you for excited having me. for future things. We're gonna. Um, I think I mentioned it to you, but we're gonna do a fun uh, ladies' lunch on March eighth for Ooh. International Women's Day. Oh, fun. And um, I'm finalizing all. I think it's going to be. Um, so we'll, of course, include you and the other girls with that. But um, we want to continue to connect with um, powerful, strong. When I say powerful, I mean emotionally powerful mm -hmm. women um, to inspire one another and to build each other up because that's what really keeps the world going. And the great men who are beside us allowing it to happen. <laughs> Shout out scenes. to you. Exactly. <laughs> our hubbies. Exactly. <laughs> and our Adams. All right, guys. Have an amazing week. Looking forward to seeing you next week. And everybody, enjoy this warm weather in Houston because, boy, do we earn it. Yes, we did. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for having me.